Podcast, the Joe Holker Show, presented by FanDuel. Two segments for you guys today. The first one, four trending wide receivers with Matt Harmon. Going to roll that right into our DFS stacks, plus best bets with Rich Rebar. Two awesome conversations again this week, and if you enjoy it, do me a huge favor. Take two seconds to leave me a rating interview over on Apple Podcasts, and consider following also on Spotify. Really trying to build up this audio feed this year, and of course, make sure you get into the Listener League before it fills. FanDuel.com slash Holka. It is the best contest on FanDuel and all of DFS. Going through that link not only gets you a deposit bonus, but it also supports the channel. It's the Joe Holka Show presented by FanDuel. This time of year, whether it's season-long or daily fantasy, we're all looking for difference makers. And today we're talking about three wide receivers that are about ready to explode, and we don't want you guys to miss out. I say we because I'm not alone. At the wide receiver position, we have to bring in an expert, someone that can give us the edge at the most important position in fantasy football. You guys know from Yahoo Sports, Reception Perception, and his new YouTube channel. Matt Harmon, how are we doing, brother? What's up, Joe? Yeah, it's it's that time of year where we're really like looking to kind of see who's going to take that step forward in the second half. Well, not even the second. We're officially in the second half, like the closing chapters. Game. Yeah, it feels nice. Right, buddy. I mean, once we get past Thanksgiving, that's when I really let myself be like, we're pretty close to the end here. But yeah, this is when we're looking for those difference makers, those guys that we remember who, uh, you know, kind of help us win our league. And of course, rookies can always be a big part of that. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about some rookies. We'll, we'll get into exactly what's going on over at receptionperception.com uh, later on in the show. And honestly, the three guys that we're going to talk about today uh, definitely think that they're all going to be very relevant down the stretch. The guy that we're going to talk about at the end is one that I, I'm extremely curious your thoughts uh, as you went and charted some of these guys this year. Uh, it's been an interesting season for a couple of these guys, but I do want to start with Rashad Bateman. He's 5,800 this week on FanDuel at Chicago. Honestly, we're not just talking about this week, though. We're talking about the home stretch in this four game sample size now for Bateman I mean you just have to look at those weeks second on the team receiving yards second on the team in yards after catch uh, both him and Mark Andrews are trailing Marquise Brown with only about a 20% target share but that's not bad back-to-back games with a red zone target for Bateman and let's not forget like this team was supposed to be extremely run heavy yet they've been mostly neutral this year in terms of like what they've been doing and uh, passing over expectations so what else have you seen with Bateman so far this year Harmon? Yeah, Joe, it's interesting, um, especially since like those target share numbers are, are fascinating with Bateman, especially since the uh, Ravens saw fit to like throw Sammy Watkins out there right. at the start of the Thursday night game. It was like, oh, enough of Sammy Watkins already. That that's that's fine. We're good on. I know Greg Roman like had some quote as I saw Sammy Watkins like getting targets down the field for the Ravens. I remembered like an offseason clip of Greg Roman saying he still thinks Sammy Watkins. Uh, you know, is one of the best receivers in the NFL. Like they were boys from the Buffalo days, like wow. back when he was offensive coordinator. I I remember that clip and just like oh, I was so tilted about it. But Bateman still ran ahead overall in the game ahead of Sammy Watkins. Was kind of right there with Devin Duvernay, who was playing a little bit of slot receiver for them. But man, I just want to talk about how good Rashad Bateman is. Uh, this matchup with the Bears is interesting. They're more of like a funnel uh, pass funnel defense. They're they're much better um, defending the run than they are right now in the back end. They've got some issues personnel wise, scheme wise, I think too on the back end. But man, Rashad Bateman, God, that guy is so good. Um, the pre-draft comparison for me, uh, and I've probably mentioned this on your show before because the Vikings connection was Justin Jefferson. Nice. Uh, and after charting his first four games of his career for reception perception, if you go to the the website and you see uh, on the new rookie report. Rashad Bateman's route chart and route results and, and Justin Jefferson from his 2020 rookie season, awfully similar. I think this guy 
He's number one right now, spoiler alert, is number one in success rate versus man coverage among the rookies that are on the site. He is unbelievably good. I think it, when you're looking at rookie receivers, it's Jamar Chase and then it's Rashad Bateman for me in terms of guys that I want to build. Like If I was to build an ideal offense, Bateman would be my second pick after Jamar Chase. He's been a first down machine for this Ravens team too. Like Coming into to the Thursday night game, 11 of his 12 catches had gone for first downs and he was still helping move the chains last week. I think basically they just need to get him involved. I said this going uh, coming out of the NFL draft. Like I think that he is a guy who is a total difference maker for them, a player that they've not had before. You know, Mar Marquise Brown's been great this year, but, you know, Rashad Bateman, I think, can be better in the long term. I think he can be more of that prototypical X receiver. The reception perception results are fantastic through four, four games. Like, I really want to be ahead of the market as much as possible, whether it's DFS, redraft, dynasty, I don't care. Like I think Bateman is that good of a player. Um, I think the com another comparison that I make in the rookie report, well, people will find very interesting as well. Yeah, I feel like Bateman is still one of those guys that like the season long people, they're very aware. The dynasty people are very aware. Anyone that's been reading your stuff on receptionperception.com, very aware. But like the DFS crowd, like, yeah, he's cheap, but there's still like, I guess, weird scars from this offense, like trying to double stack them with Andrews yeah. and Hollywood and them not getting there. So just adding someone to that mix, I don't think it's comfortable for people to do. The price point is really nice. Obviously, the talent is there. And you said it before, like he has potential alpha receiver in him. We'll see how quickly he can get there uh do you want to like give bring people through just quickly like reception perception obviously people know what that is i would imagine at this point but like the the metrics that you're looking at specifically like being predictive of future stuff like this press coverage like being able to beat press coverage in the nfl has got to be like a huge indicator right because i always see that being like one of the first things yeah. you mentioned yeah, we've done a lot of studies on receptionperception.com about the predictive metric, you know, being success rate versus man coverage, press coverage. Like, typically, guys who are above that 70% mark, like, do not go on to fail in their career. Like, the only guy who's been above 75% and played multiple seasons in the league, uh, who's never had a top 30 fantasy season, is Sterling Shepard. And, like, most of his problem is just not staying healthy. Right. Uh, but, yeah, like, typically, if you're over that 70% mark, especially early in your career, you're going to find some level of career success but also um the success rate versus zone metric and we'll talk about a player here soon who is uh, really good in that metric that's also been especially recently as teams have gone you know everybody's talking about like cover two as if it's like the boogeyman of the nfl right now you right know, it's as teams have gone through these like it's more zone heavy coverages over the last couple of years you know brandon staley's defense coming from the vic fangio tree a lot of zone heavy defenses there this success rate versus zone metric, I think, has been incredibly predictive. We talk about Marquise Brown. He's actually been, even during a struggle last year, he's always been among the top 10 guys in success rate versus zone. Debo Samuel crushes in that metric. We know how good he is. Cooper Cup, um, those type of players. Justin Jefferson, another one. Like Those players who consistently also get open versus zone coverage, I think we've got to give credit to those guys as well. I think from like a scouting talent perspective, I had been – you know, much more. And I just had done more work on the success rate versus man metric, but coming out of this year, I think there's a lot of predictive power in, in all three of the success rates if via reception perception. Yeah, we've been talking about it with Reeves quite a bit. I feel like every week, like there are still edges in finding like those micro samples and those micro edges. And I think that that's something even just looking at like how these players win, I think definitely matters for DFS, even if you're a little bit more focused on that side of things. So let me know in the comments, you guys, uh, who you think was going to be the Ravens wide receiver one the rest of the way. I'll be interested to see what you guys think. But let's move on to another rookie with massive upside the rest of the way. 
Elijah Moore, 5,900 this week against Miami. But again, we're talking about the rest of the season. Over the last four games, he leads all Jets receivers and receiving touchdowns with three. He leads the team with 265 air yards over that time. Only Michael Carter and Jamison Crowder have more targets than Elijah Moore. So I think that this is a, a definitely a bull signal. Like we talked about how he's uh, leading the team in receiving touchdowns. He actually has four red zone targets. He scored on three of those, Harmon. So like what they're doing in the high equity area of the field, I mean, there's a lot of things to like about him until we even get to what reception perception is telling us, which I assume is good. Yeah, I think this guy is a future star as well. Um, Man, the key to unlocking his upside, Joe, is they just got to play him more. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's yeah, right. It's so tough. And, you know, frankly, we could talk about the Jets decision making all across uh, this season. You know, they're starting Joe Flacco for whatever reason this week i don't even know what what the point of that is you know they uh the jets might not be so sharp they played the bills last week and you we know our guy stefan Diggs just shreds iso man coverage that's all they did with him last like they never they adjusted even really they didn't even attempt to make an adjustment which is seems not smart <laughs> Which was great for those of us who have been chasing that, you know, upside digs game for quite some time. But, you know, for the Jets' sake, again, I just don't know that they're making the best decisions. They continue to rotate Elijah Moore with guys like Keelan Cole. You know, Jamison Crowder's like entrenched as their slot receiver. And that's what I think is so interesting. Like, Elijah Moore's uh, results, as you mentioned, from the Reception Perception Rookie Report, they're incredible. They're great. And he's actually mostly playing outside, sort of playing like an ex-flanker hybrid, which is not really what we expected. Um, He's mostly, he was mostly a slot receiver almost exclusively in college and was more of like a design touches type of guy. But you saw the route running chops in college. You still see it in the NFL. I mean, it's going to be tough to play him with any degree of confidence because, you know, he is probably going to be third on the team at best in routes run. I don't know that they're ever going to flip him with Corey Davis, but my hot take is that I think he's probably better than Corey Davis. Like, I think that that over the long run, like he will be the the Jets number one playmaker. They just got to get this guy on the field more. Um, Like the moment, in DFS, you see, even if it's the next game you're going to get in on, the, the moment you see him as, like, number two on the team or first or whatever in routes run, like, you just got to start playing that guy every week until the price catches up because he's that much of a, a stone-cold baller. I compare him to, like, a Tyler Lockett type of guy, someone we know can win outside but is more of a weapon in the slot. So, in 2022, it's like, I'm assuming Jameson Crowder will be gone. It will be wheels up for Elijah Moore breakout season. Yeah, I loved. I mean, I don't think we're going to be stacking up the Jets anytime soon, but if we're playing like, I mean, there's going to be plenty of games down the stretch. We have another game against the Bills. We have another game against the Bucks. We're probably going to need a bring back in some of those games if we're stacking up Brady and Allen. So maybe by that point, Elijah Moore has kind of separated himself and is getting a little bit more usage. You would hope, right? Like just play the guy that's like the best athlete on the field. Uh, I don't know. That makes sense to me. Uh, Harmon, before we reveal this last rookie, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the reception perception rookie report and uh, where people can go find it this week it's a first time offering uh at reception perception well obviously this is the first year of receptionperception.com period but i've never done an in-season rookie report where basically i'm trying to get you know you guys ahead of the curve here basically trying to you know see who is winning you know on a route by route basis these guys like rashad bateman elijah moore who have given those little early signals like how can we like put them start categorizing them into what type of players and how good they are you know in season basically try to get that edge and what gave me the inspiration is actually a reader now this is i'm not like totally trying to say shout out to me on this one but hopefully you back can do that, that. We're, 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 you're allowed to pat your own back man i probably don't do it enough so go ahead Longtime reader from like 2014 reached out and said like, hey, the reason I'm, I, you know, appreciate you doing a new site. Like one of the things that like 
I love about your work is like back in 2014, you post an article on football guys about um, how Beckham was winning at like an elite level before that big catch game. Like, you know, and yeah. this is a guy, this is, this is sort of the Rashad Bateman thesis where like, I think he is winning at this elite level. When is the production and catch up? That was like kind of, I wrote this article mid season, did a chart uh, for Odell Beckham and like, you know, when traded, like liquidated the assets to go get Odell Beckham in dynasty. And like for three years there, that looked like a pretty solid decision. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the, I was like, Oh man, that's a good idea. Like let's put up a rookie report, you know, kind of around week 10, week 11. So basically that's what we're doing. Like there's nine guys right now. Um, you know, this is the main relevant rookies, the most productive guys out there. Uh, you know, Jamar chase, obviously Jalen Waddle, all these guys we're talking about today. Uh, you can find a, a mini sample, uh, for reception perception for these guys. And it's interesting, man. I mean, I feel like I came on your show and gassed up the 2020 class. I'm pretty tempted to gas up this 2021 class too there's a lot of good players here well i'm i'm really looking forward to reading that so uh i guess with the other two guys that we've talked about we can see a path to them emerging on their respective teams but man harman the eagles devonta smith i mean he has officially arrived as an nfl difference maker over his last four games top 10 ppr wide receiver only aj brown tyler lockett keenan allen Marquise Brown and Devontae Adams with a higher weighted opportunity rating over that time. That's a metric uh, that we know well. Uh, It's one that I'm using for DFS quite a bit. It combines target market share and market share of air yards. So all the things you want from a fantasy perspective, Devonta Smith has been giving us 375 raw air yards over that time. Right on that Tyler Lockett access, we just mentioned him before as a comparison for Elijah Moore. But man, in terms of air yards, like it's pretty crazy. And he's still 6,600 on FanDuel this week, specifically against New Orleans. But the good news is, at least I think, there, there should be a decent amount of room to grow here, right? Yeah, he's such a stud. And he's been open all year. Uh, I mentioned the success rate versus zone coverage metric. He's number one among the charted rookies in that. You know, very impressive just defeating uh, that zone coverage. But also, 72% success rate versus press. Like, shout out to the BMI truthers. Uh, it has not held back Devontae Smith. He's been a little hit or miss in contested situations, some some stuff after the catch, but he started to get better. We saw that, you know, awesome contested catch over fellow uh, Alabama product Patrick uh, Sertan last week. You know, that I think he's just getting better and better. And he, like I said, basically, been open all season now the offense is starting to catch up around him you know I love the way that they're running the ball more we typically don't want to say that you know as fantasy gamers but like I think it's made the passing game more efficient it's made things a little easier on Jalen Hurts and um it's just can Hurts catch up to Devontae Smith because Smith is open and can Hurts hit him and I think this is interesting coming into this week Two great games back to back. Love to see it. I think Smith is is a you know a guy like I said that is basically always open. This will be an interesting matchup because the Saints really do a great job of just kind of erasing number one receivers, the top level threat. You know they have Marshawn Lattimore. They have a lot of good players in the secondary. You know number two receivers have kind of been the ones that are getting off on New Orleans. We saw Chris Godwin bang him up a while back. We saw Marcus Johnson pop up out of nowhere. Olamide Zacchaeus. You know, he's like technically the number two receiver there for the Falcons behind Kyle Pitts, I guess. But like, I'm going to tell you what, Joe, we talk about these rookies who are getting open. We know who did not do that as a rookie was Jalen Rager. Like, right. It's just that's not happening. Jalen Rager's not happening. Like, is Quez Watkins going to be the threat or is this just going to be more Devontae Smith? Because he's been the only one that's functional in the passing game. So I think if it's tough to know what to do with Smith this week, I'm pretty tempted to just keep chasing the volume and a guy that is such a good technician I think can win in this matchup but yeah this will be a really big test for him that's for sure yeah like this is a situation in Philly where it's kind of nice from a DFS perspective to have like one guy to go to because then like even if Jalen Hurts goes crazy on the ground you hope that at least one guy gets there through the air and at least lately like we all thought it was maybe going to be Dallas Goddard that was going to be the biggest beneficiary of kind of this target tree condensing a little bit man but uh, Devonta Smith just seems like an absolute 
baller. I guess the biggest concern is Jalen Hurts, right? I guess the lack of passing attempts overall of the last yeah. three games. We've got two games with over, or I guess under 20 passing attempts. So that's a little bit scary, and that's probably why some of these numbers um, look a little bit thin from a raw perspective. But, I mean, when he's out there and when he is getting those opportunities, they're deep down the field, and he's making a lot of plays. So, um, yeah, anything else to say about, uh, about I guess, this Philly offense, uh, specifically Devonta? I-, I think he's one of these guys that I still think is way too cheap and it might not be too long before he's like 7k plus like some of these other guys in his range yeah 32nd in neutral pass rate the eagles are since week seven you know they've like completely reverted from what they were early on in the year which again i do think makes the offense better it took quite a little bit of time for flower man nick sirianni to uh, try to figure that one out but i think we're here two of Devontae smith's best routes in reception perception are the intermediate dig and the deep post like i think he can make those big plays on his limited opportunities you know he is a downfield player despite his small size like i just think i would continue to bet on him the one thing i think would help is if they did move him around a little bit more like mm-hmm. i would love to see in december if he's taking more routes from the slot taking more routes as like a flanker because Dude, they're basically just throwing that guy out there as like a pure X receiver. And for folks that might not know what that means, like what Jamar Chase is doing, Devontae right. Smith is in that exact same role. And like that seems a little strange given just the the, the fact he's their only threat. I would love to see them be a little more multiple with him. But uh, for now, yeah, no real concerns. The volume is is going to make it a little thin, but I still think he is basically the only game in town there. Would you compare it at all to last week we saw the Bills like get Breda involved and use the run game a little bit more? And what did that open up? That opened up Stefan Diggs down the field. Like maybe something like that happens with Devonta a little bit. I, mean, I guess we've already seen it because they've been running the ball so well the last couple of weeks. Is that yeah. a reasonable comparison? I know Diggs moves around the field a lot more and does a lot of things. But like, I mean, talking about deep threats, right? He's got to be at least in the conversation. Yes, I think they're pretty similar from like a a player access comparison. You know, Diggs is obviously one of the best. He was number one in success rate versus man and press coverage last year. He has the all-time record actually for success rate versus press coverage since 2004 or success rate versus man coverage since 2014. So yeah, he is that type of stud separator too. I think Stefan Devonta Smith is gaining in that category as well. So yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And just from like a run action perspective yeah right. i think if if the eagles can keep the game more competitive that's better from like a non-pure like we know the eagles the problem is that they were so pass heavy so early on and like obsessed with screens and like all that type of stuff we need Devonte smith on these routes like i mentioned the deep developing routes like posts and and digs over the middle of the field and i think hurts has finally taken a step it, it's really just all about jalen hurts man you know he was only focused on like one side of the field and yeah. just reading like deep to short and now i think we've got him you know because the offense is actually moving via the ground game he can actually take those shots over the middle of the field which is good news for smith yeah, you got to be able to mix it up a little bit in today's NFL. Matt Harmon, everyone, make sure you guys follow him on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. If you guys haven't subscribed to his YouTube channel, definitely do that. And receptionperception.com if you want to get access to that rookie report. Uh, I can't wait uh, to, to read through that, Matt, so appreciate it, man. Before we get back at it, I want to thank the presenting sponsor, FanDuel, for all the support this year. New FanDuel players, listen up. Your day's about to get 20% better with a bonus on your first deposit, up to $500 for free. All you have to do is claim it by visiting fanduel.com slash Holka first that link does support the channel so thank you and even if you are not a first-time player it would mean the world if you give FanDuel another go this week and start that process through my link that's fanduel.com slash Holka to claim your bonus and start playing today it'll bring you right to our five dollar three entry max listener league contest that one I will be reviewing every week on stream Quite honestly, one of the best places you can put your money in all of DFS because it's completely rake-free. There's a whole lot of NFL 
action left this season. So make sure you join our community over on FanDuel. Pick a lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see where your team stacks up against the competition. They've got a ton of different game formats between main slate and single game contests. You can even set up private contests with your friends to experience season-long wins without season-long waits by joining the $5 listener league or making your first deposit through FanDuel.com slash Holka. The official daily fantasy sports partner of the Joe Holka Show. Age and local restrictions apply. Bonus is used as a non-refundable site credit that expires after 30 days. Want to take a second to thank our exclusive memorabilia partner, Pristine Auction, a website that auctions off a ton of insanely cool sports memorabilia each and every day with items starting at just $1. There's thousands of auctions ending daily. So some of the crazy deals that you'll see actually pretty common, whether it's a daily auction, a weekly auction, doesn't matter. The marketplace is open 24 hours with no reserves. Also, all of these autographed items are guaranteed authentic, so you never have to worry about that. I do have a registration code, so make sure you enter code HOLKA when you first sign up. It's good for $10 off your first purchase, but more importantly, you're eligible for the weekly giveaways from the mystery unboxings, but only if you're fully registered at Pristine Auction, so hopefully it's with code HOLKA because it supports the channel, so thank you, and let's get back to the show. It's the Joe Holka Show presented by FanDuel. Week 11, games of the week, DFS stacks, and best bets. Going to go deep into some key situations that you have to get right this week in fantasy football, DFS, and betting. Of course, if you are a Tier 2 or Tier 3 member, you can watch these full segments on demand after the live show, but we're going to stick with last week's format, building a lineup right at the end of when we discuss each game. And uh, yeah, I did say we, Rich Rebar is with us. I bury the lead every single week on that, but what's good is after we build those three teams, Reeves is actually going to pick which one of those goes into the listener league. So you guys know him from sharpfootballanalysis.com, the worksheet, and on Twitter, at Lord Reeves. How we doing, my man? Good, good. We picked the wrong team to put in it last week. It turns we out I am not the Mike Williams whisperer. Well, I mean, uh, you, you could have been. That that's the, I mean, you can imagine what it would be like if you were, though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know, and it's crazy the the ownership he ended up getting by the end of the week. It's, oh my god! I blame you. I mean, I mean, I don't think I have that kind of pull. Like, I'm not Evan Silva, but I think it just goes to show you like how much how inundated we are with stuff throughout the week and yep. uh, how sticky something can become, right? And yeah, like we're doing this obviously pretty early in the week, right? So like by the time like uh, the segments come out, the clips are flowing. Like I, I was just kind of joking. I'm like, yeah, Mike Williams definitely going to be like the cool kid GPP play by the end of the week. And sure enough, by the end of the week, he's like 25 percent and all like the mid to higher stakes stuff. So it's it's really odd that people just I mean, maybe it's just uh, people are consuming more GPP content these days. And it's not necessarily just looking at box scores and that kind of thing. Like, I mean, how many, I mean, I guess how many shows out there are talking specifically about cash games at this point? If they are, they're not getting many views because it's not mm -hmm. as fun. Uh, we like, we like GPPs. We like looking through the puzzle and all of that stuff. So uh, yeah, let's, let's do that again this week. And Reeves, let's just put a little extra pressure on you to pick the right lineup, man. I mean, that's, Ooh, yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's not great. If I would have went with the DAC lineup, we were good, but that's true. This is true. It's only my, my, all, uh, all the money, all the money I won last week came from Dak. Yeah, I mean, it all came to if you played both of those uh, cheap running backs too. But we've talked about that a lot already this week. So let's uh, let's move on. We have three games to talk about. Game number one. This is going to be the game that everyone wants to discuss this week. Cowboys at Chiefs per FanDuel Sportsbook. Kansas City is currently minus two and a half point home favorites. The over under currently sits at fifty six. Points highest total by a large margin this week. The under looks a little bit appealing, at least from betting perspective. It's 81% of the money right now, only 31% of the betting tickets. So at least the sharps think this might be set a little bit too high. But what do you think about this game, Reeves? Yeah, I mean, this is the game that everyone's going to kind of talk about on all the shows this week and try to build lineups around. It's going to be hard. We're going to try mm -hmm. to build one after this, but everyone's expensive. The cheap, there are not a lot, a lot of cheapies here. But you know, games involving the Cowboys 
averaging 53.2 points. That's the second most in the league. Games involving the Chiefs, 50.3 points. That's sixth in the league. So you kind of got to have these merging of worlds that where we're going to have uh, a high game total like this. And, you know, the, the Chiefs, too, also, when you look at, like, them defensively, like, they just faced Daniel Jones, Jordan Love, and, like, you know, Derek Carr, who that game was closer a little bit, too, before the Deshaun Jackson fumble. So I definitely am not going to give their defensive turnaround any very much credit at all over this run. And when you talk about defending the Cowboys, they're so versatile anyways. I mean, Kellen Moore's been in his bag all year. They can go 12 personnel, and they can run the football on you. They can go three wide receivers now, especially with Michael Gallup back and throw the football on you. They're just too versatile for a team like the Chiefs that just don't have the coverage assets, uh, and they really don't have the front-end assets either. So, like, I mean, the Cowboys, at least on their end, are I believe are going to be able to do their part. Uh, the Chiefs are a little more of a question mark, right? Because obviously everyone wants to get on the hot button topic of how teams defend the Chiefs and the Raiders came out and played cover three for 45% of their snaps. And was this the reason that the Chiefs actually had their offensive explosion? Or was it really just that the Chiefs have really through 10 weeks, the NFL season had seven really good weeks and three bad weeks? You know, we still are mm -hmm. working with like an inherently small sample and an NFL, you know, season sample size. Also, if the Cowboys want to go too high safety and do what other teams have done, they don't really have the personnel for it. Like their safeties and, and linebackers aren't really good in coverage at all. They've been in a really aggressive, almost man-based defense this season. Obviously, they're not going to do that against the Chiefs. Um, you know, you're not going to line up the, you know, Trayvon Diggs on, on Tyree Kill. Like that's just not, right. that's that's something we're not going to see happen. We'd love to see it happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I mean, Dallas is going to have to come out of their comfort zone as well. Like people ask the Raiders to try to do. So I don't really, you know, uh, you know, foresee Dallas being able to kind of do a lot of things that other teams have done successfully as well. I mean, Dallas has still done things really well their way, uh, and they might try to stick with things, you know, but uh, I do believe that this is a spot, too, where we can look at the Chiefs' side to really kind of punch back as well and kind of roll over some excess they had. Remember, they just didn't turn the ball over on offense last week. They had the, the, the high-variance plays. Darrell Williams coming down at the 50. Like those are plays that weren't happening for them, you know, over this, this stretch as well. So um, I do think that they can sustain some of this. Um, now, if you want to get in the weeds on some of this, uh, like who to play stuff, uh, everyone. Just all the, guys, all the guys. All the guys. Reeves a 4 p.m. game too. So I think one of the things that we should touch on right away is that a lot of people are going to have these Kansas City and the Dallas lineups already built. And if things yes. go really well in the beginning, maybe they'll stay with them. If things don't go so well, I mean, we can't stay on this really chalky game. We've had a couple slates like this already this year. And, and I like that it is uh, in the afternoon because it gives us a little bit more leverage uh, to make those late swaps that a lot of people aren't willing to do. So I'm with you. Uh, the Dallas side of the ball is, is still, I mean, pretty appealing, right? There's a couple different directions we can go. There's a little bit of value, but I'll let you speak to that. Yeah, like I said, they're just they're so multidimensional as an offense. It's it's easy to understand that they can exploit whatever a defense wants to do, right? Like they can't really get pigeonholed. It's hard to pigeonhole them. Denver did two weeks ago by getting a four-man pass rush. Are the Chiefs gonna be able to get a four-man pass rush like Denver did? I probably I don't really think that they're going to. Uh so I mean the Chiefs are gonna really and if the Chiefs go way ahead, say the Chiefs are hot, like they roll it over and they go up, you know, 14 or 17 points early. I mean, Dallas, now you've got the, the passing side of it. They can still punch back passing the football. That's mm -hmm. what what kind of makes them so appealing um i think from stacking stance the the chiefs passing side makes the most sense just because when you look at the splits i mean 80 percent of the chiefs offensive touchdowns are passing 
versus Dallas, where they're a little more multifaceted, like we talked about. 67% yep. of their offensive touchdowns are passing, but Zeke can get touchdowns. So it makes them a little harder, right, to figure out because it's easy to say Zeke can go off in this game. I mean, the Chiefs are terrible at stopping the run. I mean, and they're awful in stopping receivers in the passing game. So it's really easy to say, well, Zeke's the piece down. Well, the Chiefs go ahead, then it's really easy to say Dak's the piece down. I think when you're looking at the inflection points on the Dallas side, there are two things. One, we have Dalton Schultz conceded his like target share, and he was never going to just double up the targets that CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper had, like he right. had early in the season. It just was never, it wasn't sustainable from a talent perspective. Like the Cowboys were going to get the football to their better players eventually. But Dalton Schultz also is not coming off the field since this Blake Jarwin injury. I mean, he's run around on 91%, 82% of the dropbacks the past two games, and he probably would have been over 90% last week if that game wasn't such a massive blowout. I mean, the Chiefs did hold Darren Waller down last week. He had a touchdown come off the board, but they've still been really struggled, you know, defending tight ends this season. They've allowed, you know, an 8%, 8.8% touchdown rate to tight ends. That's 29th, 9.4 yards per target. That's dead last in the NFL. Uh, and then when we had Michael Gallup come back, we had CD Lamb kick back into the slot for 70% of his routes. And that's kind of what we thought would happen. Uh, so, I mean, you look at the Chiefs, they haven't really guarded interior wide receivers as well. Now, Lamb is the most expensive guy to grab on right. the Cowboys passing side. So that's always, you know, a tough spot, especially because if you want to run back any of the Chiefs, the guys you're going to run back are Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and they're really expensive as really well. Expensive. So there's a salary cap in our game, and that makes this game – that's the hardest component of this game, right? Is playing maneuvering around the salary cap. It'd be great if last week we had Dearness Johnson at five eight and you know right. uh, Mark Ingram to plug in. It'd be awesome, but we don't really have that this week. Um, we might if Elijah Mitchell. So if Elijah Mitchell ends up sitting, then Jeff Wilson's going to be like the auto play. It like does feel like week. we're waiting on some of that stuff, right? Like obviously we don't know if Kamara is playing either mm-hmm. at this point. Is Ceh going to be back? Like that has some implications for this game. It looks like at least they're considering yes. holding him out until after the bye, but they're going to see how things go. Yeah, so the interesting thing about CEH is, you know, it's obviously been popular to dunk on CEH because he was it, he was a reach of a draft pick in in sense of taking a first round back and some of the running backs he was taking over. But when he does come back, if whether it be this week or next, I mean, he does offer them a lot more rushing upside than Daryl Williams does. As good as Daryl Williams has played, Daryl Williams has really been good in the passing game, which we never really seen Clyde Edwards-Hilaire do so far to this point in his career, despite the the notion that he was going to be a pass catcher coming out of LSU. But if you look at like rates versus light boxes, Daryl Williams is having just 3.7 yards per carry against light boxes. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is at five yards per carry. In terms of expected rushing yards, uh, Daryl Williams right now is at minus 73 rushing yards below expectation. That's the sixth worst rate in the NFL. Clyde Edwards Lair with zero. He was baseline. So he was, he was mm-hmm. getting the yards he was supposed to get. So from a rushing component, like he is going to, to be an upgrade for the offense as much yeah. as people want to dunk on it. And, yeah. you know, but, and if he comes back against Dallas, I mean, Dallas is a team that has been terrible defending the run as, as well. So, I mean, uh, you know, it's just another wrinkle to throw in things. Now, if he sits, you have Daryl oh, Williams yeah. as a guy that's gotten 24, 19 22 and 20 touches in four of his past five games why don't why don't we see why don't we see ch get that type of usage i guess that's my biggest thing like has daryl done enough to eat into ch's usage even more to where neither of these guys are playable it very well could be so the biggest bugaboo right now from uh and and i'm not i'm on the outside looking in the biggest thing that's been consistent for clyde edwards Hilaire in terms of what i believe that this coaching staff using this is he's just terrible in pass protection he's awful and he was awful as a pass protector coming out of LSU, and he's been awful as his year-plus sample in pass protection. And okay. I just believe that that's why he doesn't play in those long down-and-distance situations. 
uh, and you know Daryl does. And, you know, Daryl always was the guy that came in on those situations. So when Ch is out of the way, it just extended his role even further. Whereas vice versa, like if Daryl was to miss a game, they probably just play Jarek McKinnon in those spots, right? True. Like true. So I mean, I think that's always been like the kind of the early career bugaboo for him. But as a pure just running the football against light boxes, like Daryl's a ham and egger man. Like Daryl's gonna get you barely what's blocked. We just yeah. talked about the numbers. Whereas Clyde at least is gonna get you what's blocked. He's not going to make um, as many probably <laughs> mistakes. I, I want to run something by you quickly before we, I guess, move forward. What scares me a little bit, and obviously we're looking at uh, Run the Sims right now, uh, simulating this game, this slate 10,000 times is what this tool allows us to do. I'm nervous, Reeves, because you don't see a lot of Chiefs in the optimals at this moment, and you don't see a lot of Cowboys in the optimals at this moment. And a lot of people are going to be waiting to play this game, and it probably has to do with pricing at this point, right? So we have Travis Kelsey. He's in like the top 10 at a 13% optimal rate, but we have to keep scrolling here. There's no Cowboys, which is odd. And then we have to scroll all the way down to a 10% Tyreek Hill and a 8% Patrick Mahomes. Like, those are fine rates. Like, I, I'm not even trying to say that they're not, but for the ownership that this game is going to kind of lead us to, I, I don't know. Like, this is like off the hop. It feels like maybe these guys are a little bit too expensive. And I hate saying that this early in the week because someone's going to clip this and absolutely bury me for it when they put up 50. But I don't know. Like, that, we have the Sims for a reason, right? They're playing out all these different game scenarios. They're using all the the different target shares and the inputs and all of those things. And, and there's not a lot of Cowboys in there. And there's not a lot of Chiefs. So, like, I mean... What, what are we doing here? I don't know. It makes me nervous at the very least. I just think that's a layout why every slate's different, right? So mm -hmm. last week was a unique slate where we had all that running back value open up, and that's not really present right now. Mm -hmm. Like we said, Elijah Mitchell, maybe if he doesn't play, Jeff Wilson at 5K becomes like an autoplay for everybody, right? And that unlocks all of this to getting – because right now you're talking about what? Uh, the only guys under 6K that you could possibly entertain playing are Michael Gallup and maybe Byron Pringle because he ran the most routes of all of the... So maybe that's why, right? Our value is much worse this week. That's the is, reason yes. that these guys can't Because AJ Dillon fit. is 7K. Yep. Everyone's going to want to play AJ Dillon. I, hell yeah, I want to play AJ Dillon too. He's 7K. Yep. I, th I think that's still a value, but he's mm -hmm. also just not 5'8K like Darren sure. Johnson was. And he's sure. also not 5'5 five five like Mark Ingram was. Uh, yep. and I forget where Ramondre's price was. So maybe that's not as much of a knock on KC like I was saying. It's just really a, a, the context yeah. of the slate at this yes. moment it is not great for value, which hopefully we get something because then I would imagine these guys are going to move up uh, significantly, I would hope. Because remember on FanDuel this year, we've talked about on this show and uh, you know, talked about, you've talked about on Leone's show, like on FanDuel, kind of the meta play on FanDuel this season has been playing like an RB2, like, like sub 6K that can just find the end zone, right? Yep. And where's that guy this week? I, I, the the earliest guy, or I guess the cheapest running back that I kind of see is maybe Miles Gaskin mm -hmm. at sixty two hundred. Uh, yep. There's not a lot of guys that are cheap this week, Reeves. Like it's it's actually kind of a problem. Like it's like Alex Collins fifty six hundred. If he's going to be the guy, like at the, I hate playing Seattle running backs, but as from like a price perspective, he's like the only one that really stands out below six k to me at the mm -hmm. running back position. So that that's going to be a problem. Right, 100%. Because like I said, when we've been building FanDuel lineups, we've had Elijah Mitchell at 5'9", or Khalil Herbert at 5'5". Five, five. Like, we've had these guys consistently all year, and this is kind of the first week, barring what happens with Jeff Wilson and Elijah Mitchell's finger, yeah. that it's it's hard to find one of those guys this week. I, I'm, I'm curious, too, before we build the lineup, and i, I got to make sure we get to that here shortly, but um, some of the micro stuff that we're looking at, zone coverage, man coverage, uh, is this a week where we should be kind of looking more towards someone like Amari or someone like CD? I know we don't have like a huge sample now, like Gallup hasn't really been back for very long, um, but I heard some people discussing how this might be a decent bounce back spot for Amari, uh, but CD is the one that looks like he's going to be the lowest owned, so I'm trying to figure out, uh, piece my way through Dallas in some ways, too. 
Well, it, it all depends what the Chiefs try to do, right? So the Chiefs have been forced to be an aggressive defense. They, you know, obviously Spags is in his bones. So he's going to blitz a lot. And, you know, they do play primarily man coverage more than not. And if they do play man coverage, uh, CeeDee Lamb has absolutely obliterated man coverage this season. Every touchdown he scored has been against man coverage on the season. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, if they're going to if they're gonna try to throw any man coverage and mix it in, because it'll probably be a combo, right? Like, they're just not going to stay in man. Uh, sure. But yeah, the Falcons try. The Falcons are pretty much been playing cover two, and Dean Pease dialed up a couple blitzes, and CD just kind of put put it on them for both of them. Uh, and I mean, man, CD only played forty two percent of the snaps and did that. Like, <laughs> like imagine if if Atlantic threw some counter punches in that game, what we could add. I have so uh, many regrets from last week and in, in that game. <laughs> I can't even I can't even talk about it, man. But uh, were you on yeah. Falcons? So last week I ended up uh, playing one of the cheap running backs and I believe my main, I'm trying to remember, uh, I guess I've, I've been scarred so heavily that I don't even remember what my main stack was last week. Oh, I had, the Tom, I had all the time. I had all the Tom Brady stuff last week, obviously. So that wasn't great. Um, but did have some teams with Dak on some of the stuff. It wasn't like my, my one K entry. I think it was like my, my three, three, three. And uh, I had Zach, I had Dak, I had Zeke and I had CD on, uh, on that roster, but um, basically ruined it with my, my, my mini stack, my Aaron Jones, coming late so uh, mm. yeah man I, I can't even talk about it but um let's move I thought over we talked, I, I thought we talked ourselves out of Aaron Jones last week we did man and then I saw he was one percent owned and I wanted to win so <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> all right so before we build a lineup around this game I want everyone to pause this video let me know in the comments how you would stack up Dallas KC and DFS this week Reeves what do you want to do here you want to go Dak side or do you want to go Mahomes side here I gotta go I think we gotta go Mahomes okay. uh just because I think one is easier to stack, and I think two, it's easier to predict that the Chiefs, if they do score, will have passing touchdowns. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But I mean, listen, we've been down this road with the Chiefs for time. We're gonna find out. I mean, like I said, it's we've played ten weeks of the NFL now, and the Chiefs haven't had their bye yet. Right. And they honestly do their sample. If you look at the season, like they've been good seven to ten games. Mm-hmm. Not bad. So I'll take seven. It just happened. Those three were in a row, though, so everyone got scared. That that will happen, Reeves. People people get really scared. Uh, Davis well, was talking about people just don't like to lose. Yeah, the Bucks and Rams are in the same boat this week, right? Like all everyone's talking about is them. Are are the Rams and Bucks broken now? Like the Bucks I mean, had the ball for twenty minutes last week. What are you I'm gonna, gonna do? I'm gonna say no, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> I guess where uh, I guess where they land on the next slate. I'm not. I guess it's kind of nice we don't have to think about it on this main slate for those guys. But uh, with Patrick Mahomes, are we trying to do some sort of elite double with Mahomes? Do we want a single with maybe Kelsey? Can. I mean, yeah, you can. So hard. We'll, We'll do we we would mess around with this lineup for a half hour if you try to think both on it. And we just said there's, there's no value, so it's gonna look it's gonna be terrible. So we'll put let's put Kelsey in it first. Mm-hmm. And then if we end up with money, maybe we go up. But okay. I, let's do Kelsey first because do you want to try price, and make CD work on the other side, or are we still like in so much trouble with salary at that point? I mean, we might be at eight K. Uh let's see where we end up first. Okay. Because I mean, here's the thing with uh I think Kelsey's price is fantastic on FanDuel this week too, because he's only yep. six hundred more than Waller. Right. Um so we don't we'll even get that. like a super preem like flop lag spot for Waller, even though we're going to talk about that game too. Uh, look for that video. Um, yep, there you go. That's, so that, that's a professional look. transition, Reeves. I can toss a card right up at this way. I don't know where my finger's pointing. Right up there. Right when you said that, there's going to be a video that people can click on. It's the best thing. Beautiful. Yeah. So let's throw in uh, the the chalk jackhammer and uh, Algiers Jamil Dylan. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate when you say stuff like that, but I do know who you mean this time. Oh, fair enough. How, how do you say his name? Algiers. What? Algiers Jamil. I'm not even going to attempt that. So, all right. We got AJ. Uh, do we, do we want to go with anything on the other side of that? Or we just got a one-off AJ at 7K? 
I think we're going to one-off right now. I purposely didn't pick the Vikings because I feel like we've done the talk about the Vikings every slate for like the past like month, and I just sure. wanted a break talking from them. Yeah, I'm going to be um, at that game. I'm probably going to be in a lot of pain because I would imagine I'm going to have a good amount of players in it. So um, Yeah, and that's going to be the popular one o'clock game, but I just needed a yeah. Vikings break uh, cool. in that's conversation. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Do we want to throw like Gaskin does seem like the cheapest running yeah, back Yeah, let's throw guy. Gaskin in. I, yeah. I hate it. I mean, I never like to play Gaskin. Because the problem with Miami is they just suck at running the ball against everybody. Um, and their total's never high. So, like, what is the touchdown upside from Gaskin at that point, too? But he is that when you're just looking from like a, a touch perspective, though, oh, when you look at, at Gaskin, I mean, 87% of the backfield touches, 79% the past two weeks. Uh, I mean, listen, I'm not going to try to talk to myself for this day, but let's put him in. He's literally just there so we can fit in some of these other guys from this reluctance. Game at this point. Yeah. If we we're just let's luck box into some catches and a touchdown, please. I'll, I'll say uh, it again because I said it last week and you hated me for it. But uh, do we want to put Elijah Moore on the other side of this Gaskin stack? No, absolutely okay. not. Fair enough. I just mean, throwing that I, in the you know, you got your Flacco suck out touchdown, Joe, but he didn't play again. I officially am just going to bring him up to Harmon because Harmon loves him and I know you hate him. So we can move on. No, I love him, but he's not playing. You the hate Jets the team. Hate you hate the UC. You hate, hate the court. Every, the everything hate else about the situation. Yeah, I get it. The Jets aren't playing. They're playing Jamison. It's week 11. They're playing Joe. First of all, they're starting Joe Flacco for okay. no reason. For no reason. I mean, there's no, I, I can't. We get, let's move off the Jets. All uh, right. Let's, let's add a mini here that I love. Kay. Let's put in our boy, Arthur Juan mm-hmm. and Brandon Cooks. Another guy that I know. I know some of these words. So what do we have for Arthur Sally? Juan and Cooks. So then we got 5,800 the rest of the way. I'm going to force us to play yeah. a cheaper, I mean, what is it? Washington probably on the cheaper end, 3,500. Yeah, I'm looking at Washington, Carolina. So let's go the cheapest first to see how much money we'll have. So we'll plug in Washington. Okay, so we got 6,900 or so the rest of the way. So there's plenty of room. We probably could play uh, CD if we wanted to on a bring back. If we put in CD, what do we have left? 5,900 in the flex. So it's it's right border. Right, we just said there down. wasn't a guy that we liked, let's, but let's do Amari. Let's just do Amari and save the seven hundred because we. Oh, Amari's fifty nine hundred. Uh, okay, so we're going Amari. Oh, yeah, you almost. We're going if you Amari. Want to do that? That's fine. Yeah. We can do Amari and T Higgins though. Ooh, okay. So we got yeah, we got sixty six hundred left. That gets us to Devonta Smith. That gets us to Michael Carter. That gets us to T Higgins. You like the T Higgins side of that? Yeah, well, well, again, I mean, if you want to post that video, we are going to talk about that game. Uh, All right. So, All right. I mean, he's going to be popular, going. but um, yeah, he'll be popular this week, too. But we can do a lot. But if you wanted to do a pivot to this, we could do Elijah Moore CD. But I don't, I mean, Elijah Moore's not playing. Maybe this is the week he plays. Maybe. Reeves, let's move on. I've got to move us forward here. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk game number two. We got Bengals at Raiders per FanDuel Sportsbook. Cincinnati is a one-point road favorite in this one. The over-under currently sits at 49.5, the fourth highest on the main slate. Not tons of sharp action so far in this one. Definitely some interesting topics here, though, Reeves. I know we talked about this a little bit on the last video, so if you haven't checked out the video with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Dallas Cowboys, definitely do that after this one. But a lot of interesting topics here in Cincinnati and Las Vegas. What do you think about this one, Reeves? I am uh, fascinated by this game on a number of levels. One, from a game theory perspective, this is the pivot 4 p.m. game, right? Mm -hmm. You know, If your stuff doesn't hit and you know that everyone's sitting on Cowboys and Chiefs, you got to go here. Yep. Unless you're going Seattle, Arizona, which is which has potential too to go as well. Um, if we get Kyler, we get news that Kyler's going to play, and you know you get a little uh, bounce back from like you know guys like DK and Lockett and Russ, you know knocking the rust off last week potentially as well. But I think this one is going to be the more popular uh, kind of side to kind of maybe have a chance to like have be more of a shootout. Sure. Uh, 
you know, I mean, you look at Burrow, he entered the bye coming off of his worst week of the season uh, of uh, against the Browns. And what's interesting about that is the Browns finally stopped. The, like, the Browns didn't blitz him. They just went with the four-man pass rush, and they got there. Uh, you know, we had talked about on this show a bunch of times how Burrow's just been so dominant against the blitz, uh, just so hyper-efficient against the blitz, that finally some team was just like, oh, you know what, maybe we should not blitz him. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> and that happened. The Browns didn't. I mean, he's he's... He's now against when teams don't blitz Joe Burrow, 7.8 yards per pass attempt, 67% completion rate, 12 touchdowns, eight interceptions. When teams do blitz him, 71% completion rate, 11 and a half yards per pass attempt, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. The Raiders blitz at the lowest rate in the NFL. They don't blitz at all, mm-hmm. basically ever. Sure. So it's going to be interesting. But then we also have this other polling conundrum that the Raiders, if you watched uh, the Sunday Night Football and listened to everyone talk to you about cover three and how much cover three the Raiders are running, uh, Joe Burrow has been phenomenal against cover three so far this season. Uh, 21% of his pass attempts could come against cover three. He's averaging 9.3 yards per pass attempt, 73% completion rate. Uh, so we got two kind of pulling angles here. The Raiders aren't going to blitz, can get home at four. Burrow's been, Burrow wants to invite you to be the blitz, but he's also torched cover three. So very intriguing kind of a cat and mouse game there and trying to figure out what wins out. Uh, Derek Carr, since Henry Ruggs, uh, you know, you know, had this unfortunate events that happened to occur off field. Uh, his A dot went from 9.3 yards, which was sixth in the NFL, all the way down to 6.9 yards the past two weeks, 24th in the NFL. Uh, teams just aren't going to respect Zay Jones running sure. deep routes. So As Deshaun Jackson is going to have to get on the field more than the seven, you know, the seven routes he ran. Like they're just going to have to get him up to speed and get him on the field, up that A dot, make teams respect him. So they're just not shrinking the field um, because it's hard to live just throwing to Hunter Renfro in your tight end. It really is. Um, and Hunter Renfro, I just can never get myself to get there on FanDuel. Neither. He's um, like popping in optimals, and I still find a way to not play him for some reason. Like there was two weeks in a row where he was just like really cheap, and I guess like convinced myself there wasn't enough ceiling there. But like who else is there at this point outside of Waller, right? So it's just so condensed right. that he always gets there just on volume, it feels like. Season high, 27% target rate on Sunday night. He has not had more than 58 yards in a game since week three, and he hasn't had more than 77 yards in a game on the season. So maybe so my has, biases are true. That doesn't sound very upside-ish. Here's the thing. He's gotten some touchdowns. He actually has more touchdowns than Devontae Adams in the cruel twist of fate of 2021 NFL, you know, oh fantasy football. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and, and Bengals have struggled against interior receivers this season as well. So, I mean, he does have that going for him uh, as well. Uh, Waller, uh, just the 24 yards, a season low Sunday night. He did have a touchdown called back because they cheated on the play. Um but, you know, you still look at his usage is still there. He still had 21% of the team targets. Uh, that was sixth among all tight ends last week. He's had at least 20% of the team targets in each of his past five games. The results just haven't hit yet. Uh, and maybe they never do, and we chase this the entire season. But, I mean, Bengals, uh, you know, uh, are a team that, you know, have been good against tight ends, but they haven't really faced anybody. They faced Mark Andrews. He had three for 48, and they gave up eight catches and 74 yards of TJ Hawkinson. The rest of the guys they've played have just been on the scrap heap of the tight end, you know, dumpster. Um, and we, we, we didn't even talk about the Bengals pass catchers. So, you know, we talked about the cover three. If the, if the Raiders are going to live in cover three, T Higgins leads the Bengals in targets, catches, end to end air yards against cover three so far this season. The interesting thing is if you look at, you know, projected ownership, and it's only Thursday when recording the show, T Higgins is going to get, he's going to be the Mike Williams of this week. He's I was gonna just going to say, you just ruined him. He's officially the Mike Williams. And the, well, he's the, going the, the week be before anyways. that, he was the Hollywood Brown, basically, that no one thought was going to be like 20% and he was. But here's where we go. 
Even even I'm seeing an early projected ownership that Tyler Boyd is coming in to be the second highest known Bengals wide receiver. Really which moves us to why does no one want to Mr. play Jamar Chase? Someone Jamar Chase. Why does no one want to play this guy? I don't understand. I mean, he finally ran into some variants the past two games. I mean, he had three for thirty two against the Jets and six for forty nine against the Browns. But look at his targets in those games: twenty seven percent of the team targets, thirty two percent of the team targets. He's had at least twenty percent of the team targets in every game but one this season in each of his past seven games. Uh, the Raiders are still giving up points to opposing wide receiver ones, 15.7 points per game. Uh, that is 20th in the NFL, and they're 31st in receptions allowed per game to opposing wide receiver ones at 6.7. If you're going to tell me on this slate of slates that Jamar Chase is going to be the third highest owned Bengals wide receiver, I mean, I'm interested in that. That's How something you can tell me on. Yeah, I mean, let me <laughs> just jump in quickly because obviously I like to run the Sims in the background as we're talking through this stuff. Uh, so runthesims.com, obviously you can simulate the slate 10,000 times. What's really interesting, we're just talking about how T. Higgins is going to be extremely popular. Who are the first two guys that you see from Cincinnati uh, in the optimal lineup, uh, optimal rate being high? Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase. So it's the guys that might not be as heavily owned. So I, I'd love to see that, honestly. Uh, what do you think about Joe Mixon? Because I don't know if he's really going to gain a ton of steam, but the price isn't terrible for him. Yeah, I, I really like Joe Mixon this week. He's a bit of a wild card. And FanDuel actually, he's I've underpriced him all year mm -hmm. um, because he has this he has this thing where like if he doesn't catch passes, or well, well Bengals just don't always throw to him is really what I'm trying to get at. Mm -hmm. he, he, he's been on a hot run. He's had uh, 40 or more receiving yards in three of his past four games because that's been the ceiling unlocker. Because if you look at his, his game log early in the season, he was still finding the end zone and having these touches, but he wasn't getting over from a ceiling perspective because he was just not catching passes. You think and, that has anything to do with how the Bengals just aren't really throwing in the red zone either? I always pull up these these charts that Leone tweets out from Establish mm -hmm. the Run and red zone pass rate above expectation. The Bengals are actually number one in the league in that. So maybe it's just uh, they're just throwing in the red zone a little bit more. I don't know. The other interesting component about that uh, side of the Bengals argument is they don't get to the red zone because they lead the NFL in touchdowns scored outside the red zone. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, they actually are in the bottom of the league in red zone plays because they've scored so many long touchdowns this season. Good problem um, to have. But the interesting thing about Mixon, like I said, though, is that even though he's gotten this usage through the past four games in the receiving game, his routes run per dropback haven't changed. So mm -hmm. it, it, they haven't moved at all, even with Chris Evans being banged up. So it's one of these things like, when do they pull the rug on us again? Right. Like we're finally believing like, they're, oh, like, oh yeah, they're using Joe Mixon as this all field asset. It's finally happening. And they just don't throw it on the next game. Like, Could cause that happened right after the lions game, he hits and then the next week he has zero targets. Right. And you're like, what, you know, what the hell happened? Like you just, you just saw, he just housed a 40 yard catch, like throw it to him once in a while. <laughs> it um, sounds like it should be a good thing to do. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. But I do like him a lot. Uh, I don't know if this lineup will build with him or not, or a, pre, a next one, but uh, I, we're, we're going to build a lineup with him. He's going to be definitely in my player pool as well, because I just think he's outright too cheap on FanDuel. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And uh, I, you said it. Let's go ahead and build that lineup. But uh, before we do that, though, I want you guys to pause this video. Let me know in the comments who you would stack with Cincinnati and Las Vegas and DFS this week. We will be putting one of these teams in the listener league. Reeves will get to decide which one of those teams it is. We already built a team for Dallas and Kansas City. Now we're going to build our Cincinnati stack. Is it going to be the Joe Burrow side of this, though, Reeves, to start? Yeah, because you know what? I want to lean into, and maybe it doesn't happen when we come to Sunday, but I I really like, because Jamar Chase is a guy that's like a, shown to be a slate breaker, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and if he's going to come in way under T. Higgins and even Tyler Boyd, I want some of that. Do we so want to put Waller Burrow. on the other side of this? 
Yeah, let's go Burrow, Chase, and Waller on this one. Okay. So do we want to... I'm hesitant to throw Gaskin in again because what if one of these other like really strong running back values comes into play later in the week? Obviously, we have some injuries uh, that we're going to have to figure out what happens. But man, the value gets overall at this point of the week does not feel great. Um, so I I'm down to go whatever direction you want. I'm fine putting Gaskin in it, but maybe we try and find a different route. The guys are expensive, though, so it's tough. We can. I think, you know, just for the, the sake of, you know, clarity, we we put Algiers in again just because, mm -hmm. I mean, he's just at 7K. You're talking about a Packers running back that is going to probably get 80% of the backfield touches. Like, we would love – like, if, imagine if Aaron Jones, we knew he was just going to weekly get 80% right. of the backfield touches. Yeah, like, it's, it's like one of those situations where, like, I get it, he's the backup, but he actually projects better than Aaron Jones would because Aaron Jones is not there. There's just more to go around, mm -hmm. and he's already been so active in the passing game, man. Like, A.J. Dillon is one of those players that I could see just being in all my teams this week, like every single And week. And the matchup is beautiful. I mean, the yeah. Vikings are 31st in EPA against the Ron. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, he should be, I mean, obviously they weren't going to probably jam him like too crazy because of where he was the week prior, but mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, this is a dude that's an over 8K running back for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, he's going to be chalky, but like there's different things you can do in the morning to differentiate anyway. So I'm totally fine with that. Like the earnest and he's not as cheap as the earnest, but like, I mean, there's certain situations like you don't need to really mess around with. I'm with you. So <laughs> what do we have? We do need value. That's for sure. 62 the rest of the way. I'll put in our cheap placeholder defense like we usually do. Washington yeah. is 3,500. So, we're, I mean, we're at 6,900 the rest of the way. It's not as bad as I thought. Let's I guess when you're we not can... playing Chiefs, it, it's not the worst thing. Let's see if we can open some more up. Let's throw uh, Emmanuel Sanders in here. Okay. So my, my question with Sanders, he seems to be like kind of the forgotten man a little bit there. And if Beasley misses, I, it does feel like maybe a bull signal towards maybe a little bit more Cole Beasley, maybe a little bit more Dawson Knox. I don't know. Emmanuel Sanders is still getting the deep targets, though. His price never moves because he hasn't really had like that explosion game yet. So I, I don't hate it. I'm, I'm just curious what you think about Sanders. Yeah, well, the people will have to turn to the next video to find out. Yes. All right. Another card, Reeves. You're, you're getting it. It's going to be right over here. So anyone that want to watch, wants to watch that video next, uh, that's the link. Okay. Uh, 7,300 the rest of the way. So we have plenty of salary. If we did want to double Burrow, we could. You know me. Like, I'm trying to double uh, this Joe Burrow situation, especially if he's not going to run much. Um, but I'm fine with either one. Um, that's fine. I mean, do we, is this the way, do we do T then just because he fits in? Like, it's your team, Reeves. I'm not going to force you to double it. I'm just saying I think it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, what's the, what's the field size in the listener league? Two thousand. So that's not bad. Yeah. So I've actually, I'm like you, like I've I've gone to like these sub two hundred man tournaments, man. And I'm playing some that are like sub one hundred these days, yeah. man. Like and the the one k on FanDuel is like games. yeah, yep. The one k on FanDuel is like seventy people, sixty people, something like that. So very small. Most of these, I mean, pe most of the people watching this are probably playing things significantly bigger than that, though. So yeah, I've really gone away from that this year by far. Um, Me too. But I mean, uh, you've been preaching that to everyone for a long time. Yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah, so we could put T in and have that would be our three receivers. No one's going to play Jonathan Taylor this week. I'm just I'm looking at our mini stacks that we would have available here. We could go Justin Jefferson probably with A.J. Dillon at this point if we wanted to mini stack that Green Bay game. Um, if we put in Jonathan Taylor, what do we have left? Sixty six hundred in the flex. So that's that Gaskin range, essentially. So we still are stuck on gas. It could be actually it's a little bit better. This than week that. is going. <laughs> it's a little bit better than that. We get we can get in Devonta Smith. We can get in Brandon Cooks. We can still I mean, we're a hundred away from getting to Jalen Waddle, um, who I think is gonna be relatively popular this week. But yeah, we don't have to go the JT route, but he's really priced down for this matchup, I think. Well, we could plug Zeke in at eighty five. Good. 
I have like one that. piece of that. I, I mean, yeah, we guess we got to think through. We do have the 4 p.m. stack, and if we're not going to be playing, uh, I guess, the Kansas City side, the Dallas, I guess, the Zeke aspect of this lineup would make sense. And then that gets us to 6,900 in the flex, and then a little bit more flexibility. We have Tyler Lockett, Michael Pittman, George Kittle, which we're probably not doing. Uh, what do you think about David Montgomery? He's, uh, I guess, spoiler alert, he's on one of the lists for uh, a video that we have coming up. Um, at the running back position. I wasn't really on him, but I'm curious if you think that Montgomery's even in play. He, I mean, he's definitely in play because of the, the workload that, mm -hmm. that he gets. Uh, we saw on Monday night before, but I mean, it's it's not a great spot. Uh, sure. You know, I don't like really playing running backs against Baltimore just because the way they defend the position. You know, they uh, I told you, all they do is they they load the box. They're, they want you to not understand where the blitz is coming from. Mm -hmm. um, and they're so active in actual, you know, their run fits. That you know they don't give up any big plays. They're actually number one in the NFL in rate of runs to not gain any yardage against them, Good even job. ahead of the Bucks and the Saints. Um, All right, sixty nine hundred. Who do you want to toss in here? Um, I guess I would have no problem really kind of throwing Lockett in here to be honest. I like uh, it. Bounce back spot for Seattle. Uh, I guess spoiler alert. I think they're going to score more than zero points this week. They so, will uh, score a point. They will score Sunday. a point. All right. <laughs> let's uh, let's keep this thing moving. Reeves game at number three. We have Colts at Bills per FanDuel Sportsbook. Buffalo is a touchdown home favorite. The over under is at 50 trailing just Dallas and Kansas City as the highest of the week. There is a Dallas and Kansas City video. So make sure you guys check that out after this one. The under though, Reeves gaining a decent amount of steam in this one as well. The Sharps are hammering it 93% of the money, just 48% of the betting tickets. It is a little bit early in the week, but maybe this total is a little bit high. I don't know. Uh, definitely a key game to get right regardless. So uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm just curious, you know, to see what we get on this slate with, you know, the amount of, you know, publicity, you know, Chiefs and Cowboys are going to get that just where Josh Allen falls on the spectrum this week, right. you know, being at one o'clock, you know, obviously and him being the most expensive quarterback in a week where there's not a lot of value, mm -hmm. you know, so and he'll never just come in like low owned. You're never going to get Josh Allen low owned, but he might come in under owned. I can uh, see it. You know? and, and now people like they got their Josh Allen week. They got their Stefan Diggs week. Like some people are just going to be off to greener pastures this week, I think. So it's kind of an interesting game to talk through because I think you're right. I think it's there's going to be points scored, but everyone is going to gravitate towards this Kansas City game. And maybe even like I, I think that the Cincinnati and, and Las Vegas game could gain a little bit of steam also for a lot of the reasons we talked about in yeah. that video. But yeah, this I game is really interesting. I'm glad you picked this one because this, this one is one that I think that people might struggle with because like the outside, like people think that this this indie defense is at least reasonable and i think they're okay but buffalo coming off a really good spot but they've been terrible before that for weeks like i'm not even sure what to do with this game yeah and also we have the dynamic that the colts are a little bit of a pass funnel i mean they're they're number one in epa against the run uh the but they are awful against the pass and they've had so many injuries it's not even like completely like fair to them the amount of guys they've lost this season and shuffled around in the back end um and if you're going to be that like the bills are totally going to acquiesce and be like oh you want us to throw like, cool, like, we're going to do that. We'll do that as much as we can, as much as you'll allow us to throw. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I like that dynamic of it as well. I mean, you know, it's been, they, the Colts have been a pass defense, like, literally I've targeted, like, the whole season. I mean, they're 22nd completion rate. They're 23rd in yards allowed per pass attempt. They've allowed a league-high 7.6 touchdown rate. Remember, Josh Johnson came in and had a top-five week against them. He didn't even start the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, they're 31st in passing points allowed per game, and now we've got, you know, one of the apex, you know, alpha fantasy scores of the position going up against them um so yeah i like that spot a, a, a lot you know especially if from a game theory stance of just you know everyone's going to be looking at that late game 
um, and just, you know, kind of monitor kind of what we can get with Josh on now. He is super expensive and so is Diggs. Um, but I mean, opposing lead wideouts have absolutely eviscerated the Colts so far this season. They're allowing a league high 21 and a half points per game to opposing wide receiver ones. They're 30th in receptions, 31st in yardage to those. And they've allowed a league high 10 touchdowns to those players so far on the season. Uh, you know, it was Diggs had almost 50% of the targets last week. So that was something that probably won't be as sticky. It was nice to finally get one of those Diggs games. Uh, you know, it was nice to see them mix it. it up a little bit too. Like Breda's involved, like the run game, mm-hmm. like setting up those deep shots to digs. Like I'm hoping they do a little bit more yeah, of that. Play action just, on yeah. almost 60% of their dropbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious about the braided thing because remember Zach Moss didn't practice. True. Like, so I, I wonder how sticky it'll be just because he didn't practice, you know? So like Bria already was like involved, right? Like he already was part of the install sure so like why not have him continue to be a you know, part of the game plan but also like Bree's always been one of those guys that whenever he does get the football like he's always been kind of good mm-hmm. uh you know just kind of fallen out of favor with the spots he's been in the last couple of years but he's always been a, a solid player um so it might just be another a guy to add to this log of uh you know offensive firepower um we had kind of hinted in the other video about emmanuel sanders i mean he's just so cheap and you know Diggs obviously bogarted all the looks last week um and you know sanders only got the two for 27 but we we just we we just seen him have eight targets the week prior like he's still out there for you know 90 percent of the routes he still leads the team in end zone targets uh you know so i just and we've seen him have like kind of spike week potential too he's had two multi-touchdown games i think Mm -hmm. those are the only two games he's actually scored um but you know for but on a week where we're looking for value or maybe looking for potential guys to, you know, throw or throw in a one-off stack or throw in a stack, he's 5,800. And we know he has that kind of prerequisite upside we're looking for at the wide receiver position to one, get there in one target and two, to potentially have multiple touchdowns like we've already seen as well. So as when I'm looking for guys like sub 6K this week, like we have to until we have to find out if, you know, Jeff Wilson's going to play and be the lead running back or not. Emmanuel Sanders is one of the top guys that stands out to me, like a, a sub 6K uh, to get into lineups. Um, I do believe, like I said, like Beasley will find naturally find more targets. But, you know, you look at Beasley, uh, you know, he's had 33 yards or fewer in four of his past six games. He has one touchdown on the season. I don't know how we get there on FanDuel with Beasley. You yeah. know, even these games where he gets 11 targets. Where are the yards? Where's yep. where's anything? To He's be really, really only had that about. one game that we were like kind of excited about, right? And I think it was a pretty popular week. I'm going to check quickly because I'm curious. It was that 13 target game against the Dolphins when basically everyone was, I think, playing the Dolphins weapons on the other side. But he still, yeah, that mm-hmm. was like the nut outcome and it was 110 yards, right? And no touchdowns. So that's basically what you're looking at. And even at his price point, like he's kind of overpriced. Yeah, and you know it's tough to fit in, and but like I said, I mean, listen, you go to the Colts. I mean, this they're a lot. They've allowed the most passing touchdowns in the league. Like, it, if there was a week for him to get in, it might be maybe sure. it's this one. But uh, he's hard to play on Fanduel, and we talked on the other video about Hunter Renfro. Like, why wouldn't you just go up to Hunter Renfro, uh, a guy that it was has more stable target count and is mm-hmm. actually getting some red zone looks. Yep, there's there's so much there's wrinkles of this game that I think make a ton of sense. So the the biggest thing before we move on from Sanders, like who do you think that he negatively correlates with the most? Like if you were to stack up Josh Allen and we do get that like big game from Sanders, like does it affect Diggs in that way? Like is it leverage off of Diggs? Because if we get Diggs again at like 10-15%, like I do kind of want him on my Allen stacks and then I'd be maybe hesitant to play Sanders. But that could be something I made up in my head, I'm not sure. 
Yeah, I mean, it's tough because he's been the guy getting those deep targets where Diggs has, you know, Diggs hasn't really connected on a lot of those downfield throws this Mm -hmm. year. Uh, He caught that nice one last week where, you know, he smoked his guy off the line and got a little catch and run. It was a 57 yarder. Um, But I'm not sure. I don't have a great concrete answer for you on that, you know, who he negatively impacts. The Bills are a team that can score 40 and and everyone gets there. That was going to be my Uh, next point, too, is the like the Bills defense is so good also. Right. Like who are the bringbacks on this one? Like probably a pretty tough spot for Michael Pittman, but he's only 6,900. Like he's pretty cheap. So like do you have any interest in the indie side of the ball in this one? I, I have any, you know, any interest in Jonathan Taylor when people don't want him like yeah. last week, you know, because Jonathan Taylor is very much in that Derrick Henry archetype of he can go 15 carries in a row where he gets two yards a carry and then he puts a 70 yarder on you. I mean, look at last week in the second half of the game, he had seven carries for nine yards, mm-hmm. but he already did his damage. He had had the two, he had the two monster runs in the first half. And when the bills actually did face Derrick Henry, they actually limited Derrick Henry, right? Like yep. he, 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 they were doing a great job against Derrick Henry, and then Derrick Henry popped a 76-yarder. Right. <laughs> and, the, and, the only reason I brought up Taylor, though, is uh, after we run the Sims here, 13% of the optimal lineups have Jonathan Taylor. He's actually the highest optimal rate of any player in this game. Digs uh, not too far behind at, like, 9%. But, yeah, I guess, like, uh, it, pieces of this game. I, I'm probably more likely to mini-stack this game than fully stack it up. Um, mm-hmm. yes. But it, it, it is, like, there, there's definitely, like, paths to like certain guys uh hitting in this one i guess think that like all of them together uh might be a little bit of a tough spot because there's not a lot to bring it back with on the other side but again i i get scared of this buffalo bills defense at times because they have been very good at times but yeah but also too they've been almost so good to the point where you expect that they're a little bit sure (laughs) they've lost five passing touchdowns like not many (laughs) like it's insane uh we actually have a team that saw the fewest passing touchdowns versus the most um, but also with Jonathan Taylor is the usage, like he just played a season high, 84% of snaps. Like they're really leaning into him as being kind of like the focal point. He also had a season high eight targets. There were no yardage attached to him, but it's just, it's nice to see him running. Uh, you know, the routes continue to spike. The playing time continues to spike for him. Uh, and them kind of realizing that he is kind of like this, this guy to run the offense through Pittman's probably a little tougher. And my problem with Pittman is not necessarily so much the matchup for this, is that when you look at you know Pittman's game log, he doesn't have a lot of high target games. He had the 15 target game that really stands out against the Titans, and he has six or fewer targets in four of his past five games. Mm-hmm. Like this is a game where you would want to like say, well, if the Bills are really good, I can just throw value at it, right? Sure, that makes sense. You don't like, but if you're telling me like Pittman has to get there on six to eight targets against the good defense. It's a little Tough tougher. Just, it's a tougher to sell, right? Like it's a little tougher to sell, but obviously he's played really well. He's a, he's a presence in the red zone. Um, I probably won't get there on him, but you know, if anyone does, I wouldn't really push back. But like I said, he just doesn't have the overall target volume to me to say like, I'm going to play him at around seven K. Sure. When I can, you can go down and say like, well, T Higgins is 400 cheaper. Like he's probably going to have, he might have double the targets of Michael Pittman in a better matchup. So it, it's hard to get to Pittman. I think, I mean, the rest of the Colts are super easy. They don't exist. Exactly. All right. So let's get to the lineup, Bill Dreams. We got about four minutes until Jake's here. So it's going to be a speed lineup. Before we get to the lineup build, I want you guys to pause this video. Let me know in the comments how you would stack up Indy and Buffalo in DFS this week. This will be in the listener league if Reeves uh, chooses for it to be. He's built three teams this week. Uh, But where are we starting? Are we going uh, Josh Allen side of this one? I'm imagining. Yeah, so let's do let's do what you said. Let's run the double. Let's do Mm -hmm. Allen, Diggs and Sanders. We haven't built a double yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of these three lineups. Mm-hmm. Do we want to go JT bring back or do we want to leave it for now? Yeah, let's throw them in. 
Nice. All right. Let's do it. Speed round. Because honestly, this helps people at least see what it looks like, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's so, we always talk about Derrick Henry being good on the other side of stacks because he speeds up the game. Like if, if Jonathan Taylor breaks a big run or breaks some big plays in this one, it's just going to give you more opportunities on the Buffalo side. So it is expensive, uh, but the Sanders thing makes it a little bit easier for sure. 5,700 the rest of the way, but obviously we haven't put in defense yet. Yeah. Go ahead and just plug Washington in. Yeah, I mean, this point of the week, it's just nice to have something down there to put in there, and obviously, uh, there'll be some stuff to to figure out throughout the rest of the week if you can get up. Right. We'll we'll see what comes uh you know comes to be. Um, is there a cheaper is tight be... end this week that you, that you enjoy uh, putting in your lineups? Because I think the tight end seems really thin today or this week in general. Like I'm trying to get up to kind of like that that higher end range almost always on Fanduel, but I mean, we don't have like that that Dan Arnold like uh, super cheap play. It feels like either. No, and you know, even Dan Arnold, uh, he's been a lot better player on the other website sure. than this one. <laughs> I respect that you, you, you're scared to, to say DraftKings. It's amazing. Uh, okay, uh, so tight end, yeah. If we, I mean, that's usually where we try and save some salary, but it's just it's just so brutal down there. Cole Komet on uh, that other website, I would imagine, is going to be pretty popular this week at 5100. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you uh, pick the next player. We'll see where we're at. We still have 6200 the rest of the way, so probably needs to be a little bit cheaper. I mean, do you want to put Schultz in? is it too cute to put Schultz in this lineup? Because we're already so far off the beaten path. Like we're already. I don't think so. I mean, okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's all these guys are 1 p.m., right? So we're going to get this information and we're going to have to figure out from there if we're playing any Kansas City and Dallas anyways. So um, apparently I can't spell Dalton Schultz. There we go. 6K. I mean, he's 6K. We can go to Waller at 6-7. We could. What do you I prefer? mean, let's pull Waller in just because he's better, and we'll see what we could do. But that doesn't because he's better. That that's as good of like uh, explanation <laughs> I as I that's, need. That's really it. Yeah. Um. So I guess this would be a team, right? Like we have to play Michael. This is the Michael Gallup team, then. This is probably the Gallup team. Yeah, I like that. Fifty-four hundred. So now we got sixty-four hundred the rest of the way. I'm just gonna see what Gaskin gets. If Gallup's us. gonna get because he's the guy. People are gonna say, "Well, this is the cheapest attachment I can get to this game." So yeah. I, I'm kind of that makes me not want to play him. But in this lineup. That's mm -hmm. fine. If we did play Gaskin, that gets us to the Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Brandon Cooks tier. Um, but I'm open to going a different route if you prefer that. And well, we also could do. Could go um, so if, the, if we do that though, I'm just saying we T, could play T Higgins with T Waller. Waller. There we go. T Higgins uh, mini stack. Reeves, since we are behind, uh, that's going to be your team. So uh, Rich Rebar, everyone, make sure you guys follow him on Twitter at Lord Reeves. All the great work over at Sharp Football Analysis. Check out the worksheet, all that good stuff. Reeves, we made it. We made it through our uh, our three games. Uh, appreciate you, man. This is always a lot of fun. I like the the new uh, way that we're doing this, building a couple more lineups. One quick plug. Let's do it. Yeah, let me have it on the way out. You got this it. This week at Sharp Football, everything is free. It's free week. My all my stuff, Warren stuff is free. All the Warren's picks are free. Go this over the Sharp worst Football thing. analysis. Now we got everything T Higgins, fifty percent owned. Fifty percent owned. Everything T Higgins is now. free. Everything is free on the site this week. That's awesome, man. Uh, everyone go check out. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, um, you have no excuses at this point. So I uh, appreciate you, man. I'll definitely uh, be doing a little bit extra reading this week as well. That's all for now, but definitely keep an eye out for the podcast dropping later today with Jake Seeley and TJ Hernandez. And thanks to our presenting sponsor, FanDuel, once again for bringing us one of the best contests in all of DFS, FanDuel.com slash Holka, the Listener League, Rake Free, all that good stuff. I will see you guys in there. And of course, thanks again to Matt Harmon, Rich Rebar, my guest today. And one last reminder, guys, if you could just take a few seconds out of your day and leave me a rating interview on Apple Podcasts. Truly makes a huge difference on pushing this show forward up the charts. And until next time. <laughs>